0: At this time, let's ask Brother Charlie Doring if he would come and speak to us the words that the Lord laid on his heart in the last few days. Charlie.
1: We're all heading for our own maladies. Like Brother Red says, just keep on living. We'll all have our own maladies. Thank you, Brother. First of all, before I get started with my sermon, I just thought I'd throw out a little bit of Advice for you young guys. Some people sometimes ask, well, how do you throw together a sermon or do something like that? Well, lots of times I'll have a thought or something, and I'll just put that thought down and open a Word document. And then whenever something that applies to that thought, you know, comes up in a sermon or in reading or whatever, I'll just stick it in that Word document. And this sermon here has been sitting on my computer for about two months now, just waiting for whenever I wanted it or needed it. So just a little advice. If you jot down those little thoughts you have, sometimes it's pretty easy to put together something that's profitable for the congregation. Let's see I got my pages out over here. The title of my sermon is, What Are You Filled With? Okay, And I'm going to get to that by a little bit of a roundabout way. And I really have two points. The first point is what I'm going to talk to you about now, and then the second point is, What Are You Filled With? Somebody said, and I'm not so sure who it's attributed to, they're talking about the physical realm that darkness is the absence of light. When you turn the lights off, it naturally gets dark. It's automatic. Cold is the absence of heat. You shut your furnace off in January, and it's going to get cold. And so evil is... The absence of the Lord. And that's really my first point. And I want you to keep that in mind. That evil is, and evil is the natural consequences of the absence of the Lord. It's kind of a rule of thumb. It's kind of like what Pastor says to us, that he doesn't like almost all movies movies. Because even if there isn't a lot of filth in the movies, there's no God in it. So if there's no God in there, what value is the movie? Right, right. It has the absence of God. And where the absence of God is, evil will work its way into. Psalm 410 says, The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. Here is a person that doesn't think about God. God is absent from his thoughts. And what does the Lord label him? The Lord labels this person as a wicked person, having no thoughts towards God, the absence of the Lord, even the thought of the Lord, let alone any deeds or actions or anything like that in his life. Let's take a look at a real biblical example of this. King Saul, we all know the story of his life pretty much. The Lord selected him to be king. They couldn't find him. He was hiding in the stuff. The Lord gave him a new heart, and he became a mighty king for a while. He hacked up 12 oxen. Sent it to the children of Israel and said, if you don't come and help me fight this battle, then we're going to do this to your cattle. So he was pretty mad, mighty man when God was with him. But then we pick up in Samuel 6, first Samuel 16, after he did not obey the Lord. In verse 14, it says, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit of the Lord troubled him. Departed. The Spirit of the Lord departed from him. And then as you continue reading on in his life story, what did he do while the Spirit of the Lord was departed from them, him? Well, he hated David. He tried to kill David. He hunted David. And one of the final acts of Saul was with this departed spirit, he consulted a witch for advice. First Samuel 28.15 says, and Samuel, because he's brought up Samuel from, uh, through this witch, and Samuel said to Saul, why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God is departed from me, and answereth me no more, neither by prophets, neither by dreams. Therefore I have called thee up. He knows that the Lord is departed from him. And what actions does he do? Does he fall down on his face and say, Lord, forgive me? Now, he goes to a witch. As we've seen, when the Lord's departed from somebody, it's not a neutral thing. Something will come in and fill that void. You will be filled with something. If the Lord is gone, you will be filled with something. Let's take a look at some evil. Fillings that are given to us in the Bible. Acts three five, uh, Acts five three. I'm sorry. This is the exhortation. Uh, this is the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And notice an interesting thing in verse three. It says, "But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost?" Satan filled his heart for the, for, with lies or that, that desire, that thought, that action to lie. That's an evil filling. See, there's no, when the Lord departs, it's not a neutral thing. No. You will be filled with something. Acts 13.45 says, But when the Jews saw the multitude, speaking of the apostles, they were filled with envy. And spake against those things which were spoken by Paul. Filled with envy. Now that's not a good thing. The Lord tells us not to envy, not to covet. So, you will be filled with something. Proverbs 12.21 says, There shall no evil happen to the just, but the wicked shall be filled with mischief. Here again, the wicked filled with mischief. And mischief is just a general term for ungodliness. So you will be filled with something. Now let's look at the other side. Let's take a look at some good feelings in the Bible. In Chronicles, we have the story of Solomon's dedication of the temple. And it says... When Solomon had made an end of praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house and the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the house. Now here we have ordained priest, men of God, sanctified for this purpose. And they couldn't enter into the house because the glory of the Lord filled that house. And however small, they still had sin in them. They had Adam's original sin. They may have had unconfessed sins. So they were sinful beings. So they couldn't enter into the Lord, into the house, because it says in Proverbs, For thou art a God that hath Pleasure in wickedness has not has a pleasure in wickedness. Neither shall evil dwell with thee. See, the priest had still had some sin in them. They couldn't enter into that house. That was a filling where the Lord filled up the whole house. And there was nothing that could get in there but the Lord. All right. Another good filling that we see in the Bible. Acts 13. It says the disciples were filled with with joy and the Holy Ghost. Here, they're filled with the Holy Ghost. And what does it also say that they are filled with? They are filled with joy. So the presence of the Lord brings joy into your heart. Paul, as he's writing to Timothy, says, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy. Now, why was Paul filled with joy? Did he win the lottery? Did he just get a big promotion? No. Verse five tells us, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. Here, the thought of another believer's strong faith Filled the Apostle Paul with joy I guess. and my point here is godliness will fill you with joy and peace the lack of the Lord you will be filled with wickedness and evil Jim last week told us that we were supposed to put off something put off things and put on things yes. and that's the same thing here right my question to you in the title of my sermon is, what are you filled with? Because we've seen that the absence of the Lord is you are filled with wickedness. And the presence of the Lord, you're filled with goodness. So my question is, what are you filled with? And what are you doing to fill yourself? 2 Peter one five. Please turn there. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. See, we can actively fill ourselves. And here, Peter's telling us what are some of the things that we can be filled with. Job said, I put on righteousness and it clothed me my judgment my judgment was as a robe as a diadem job said he put on righteousness he filled himself with righteousness he did not let the lord depart from him romans thirteen fourteen says but put ye on the lord jesus christ and make not provision for the flesh All right, that's something we can do. That's something active. Saul couldn't help the Lord departing from him. Well, he could because he sinned. But when the Lord yanks the spirit, there's no calling it back. But there are things we can do to fill ourselves with godliness and righteousness. Ephesians 4.24 says, And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. We're to put on that new man. We're to fill ourselves up with the new man. We're to put on that holiness. That's something actively that we can do. It's your duty. Most of the people in here were baptized. And it says in Galatians 3.27, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You've made a profession that you were going to put on Christ. Now you need to actively fill yourselves with Christ-like things. Colossians 3, 9 through 12 and 14 says, Why not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, After the image of him that created him put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering and above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. That's a pretty good list of things to put on. The things that we can actively do to fill ourselves with righteousness and godliness. Jeff's favorite verse on the heart is keep thy heart with all diligence. What does it mean to say keep your heart? Well, in the context of this message here, it means to put off and put on. To fill yourself up. That's how you keep your heart. You don't lock it in a box. But you put off things and put on things. Fill yourself with righteousness and holiness. That's keeping your heart. And as it says, for out of it are the issues of life. It is your life. That's what your life will become. Whatever you fill yourself with. Whatever you put on. Whatever you put off. That's what your life will be. So, What are you filled with? What do you fill your time with? What do you fill your mind with? What do you pour your energies into? We need to carefully examine what we do. What music we listen to? What movies we watch? What things we read? What friends we keep? How much our job consumes our time? How much our hobbies? Consume our time. We need to be mindful of what are we filling our lives with. We have a memory program in this church that we're trying to memorize scripture. Do you realize that to memorize something, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort. But that work and effort is a good thing. Because you're filling your life with God's word. Amen. It takes a little bit of time to read it. It takes a whole lot more time to memorize it and recite it. And you just can't memorize something by reading it once, can you? You've got to read it over and over and over again. And you've got to practice it. You've got to recite it to yourself, recite it to others. And I just throw that out as a suggestion, as a good thing, That you can fill your life with. It will take up time. When you have idle time. Two minutes. A minute. You know. At work. In your car. You can fill up that idle time you have. With the word of God. You can use it to keep that word of God. In your thoughts and in your mind. Amen. In summary. I can do no better than the Apostle Paul. Turn to Philippians 4, 8. It says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. I say, fill up your life with these things. Put these things on in your life. Just like when you turn off the lights It gets dark. So so the absence of God, evil will come in, just like the darkness come in. So our duty, our challenge, is to fill up our lives with godly things so that God's light never goes off in our lives. Mm
0: Exactly. At this time, let's have Brother Newell come and bring some words for our consideration that he's been thinking about. Brother Newell, please. If you would, turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 5.
2: Hebrews, chapter 5, <clears throat> starting at verse 11 through verse 14. The Apostle Paul has been writing to the Ephesians, excuse me, to the brethren at it. Of the Hebrew brethren scattered abroad. He's been comparing Jesus Christ. And showing how he is better and greater than anything that they've had in their Jewish religion. But at this point he has to pause in his discussion. He's about to talk about Melchizedek. He wants to talk about Melchizedek and how he's an emblem of Jesus Christ. But he says, of whom we have many things to say. And hard to be uttered. Seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Christian maturity is a subject we want to consider briefly now. The fact that New Testament saints are expected to grow and to mature and not to remain as babes. Here, obviously, Paul Is writing to people who have been converted and been in the truth for some period of time. We don't know how long it is. But it's obvious from this and other passages of Scripture that time, hearing, knowing, being under the preaching of the gospel, that time should lead to maturity. It should lead to understanding. After all, over in Ephesians chapter 5, if you turn over there for a second, it tells us, starting in verse 15, Paul exhorts the Ephesians, who he had been there for what? A little over a year, preaching and teaching. In his epistle to them, he says, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And see, he that's imperative. He's saying, be wise. Understand what God's will is. He's not, God never commands us to do something we can't do. He only gives us those things that we can and should be doing. So maturity is something that God expects of us. The Apostle Paul expected it of the Hebrews. He expected of the Ephesians. Should we expect anything less of ourselves? The gospel itself is designed to give growth. You know, God doesn't expect us to be babes. He expects us to mature and he's given us his gospel message to obtain that goal. After all, what does Paul, when he's talking to the Corinthians, in that great chapter on love, 1 Corinthians 13, What does he say later on in that? He says, when I was a child, I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. The whole purpose there is that a child does silly little things when they're a child. But as they grow up and mature, they put away those things take on the responsibilities in this case, as Paul indicates, of being a man, of being responsible. Back over in Ephesians chapter 4. You know, if you want to think about the church and what's its purpose, Ephesians chapter 4 should pop in your mind. Chapter 4, starting around verse 11, it talks about the gifts that God has given to bless a congregation, to make it everything that it should be. It talks about You know, God's given some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. He goes on and talks about there. But look, what is the goal? What is the goal of the ministry and its work of preaching and teaching the gospel? Verse 14, that ye we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. By the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. And it goes on to point out that the goal is for every member, every joint that God has given into a body to be productive and to be compacting together the entire congregation so that it is a beautiful example of who? The Lord Jesus Christ himself. That's our goal, to grow up and be like Jesus Christ in his character, in his righteousness, in his holiness. Maturity is the goal that we should have for our life. It's the individual goal. It should be that our goal is a congregation Saints are to be trees of life. You know, it's a verse that's greatly abused by the, by the world, but it's a true verse that we should grab hold of. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wise. And we understand we're not talking about giving eternal life to someone. Only God can do that. But brethren, we can help. Our, our, our brethren, our family members, others around us. We can be trees of life to them. Right. But only if we're mature. Only if we're understanding what God's word teaches us. Only if we're, as we'll see, applying what we've learned to life. To our daily walk. What does it talk about? What does James say in James 5.20? Let him know that he which converteth a sinner from the error of his way. You see a brother or sister walking in error. You've got the discernment, the understanding from being steeped in God's word to see that they're not walking right. You go to them in love. You try to help them out. You point to the scriptures that say what's wrong, and as Brother Charlie just aptly pointed out, what's right. You show what needs to be put off. But also what needs to be put on. And what do you do? What are you doing in that? You're saving a soul from death. And hiding a multitude of sins. You're keeping them back from all sorts of sins. That they could continue in. By sharing the truth with them. By having concern for them. By being wise and understanding. Men, what's our duty? We have a responsibility to teach our wives and to teach our children, don't we? Ladies, those of you who are mothers, you've got a shared responsibility of teaching and reinforcing those same truths to your children. Older women, what does the Bible say? What does Paul say? Older women are to teach the younger women. We all have responsibilities to do in God's house. But it takes maturity to do that. It takes more than just a little bit of knowledge of Scripture to do that. When we're talking about immaturity in this context, what we're talking about is the need for basic and elementary repetition of instruction. And don't get me wrong. Paul says it's good that we be reminded about things, right? Peter said the same thing. He was quick to remind us of certain things. There's little details that, yes, we can forget, and it's good to be reminded of. But what I'm talking about here is, if you find yourself to where the basics, the ABCs, you're constantly having to be reminded and taught those things all over again. Something's wrong. Something's wrong if you cannot retain those things. Forgetting a verse here or there, right? You know, If you know where to go to in the Bible to find it, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you You know, a problem arises in your life. And all of a sudden, oh, you know, you're without faith. You don't know what to do. If you've lived any length of time, if you've been under the hearing of the gospel, you've heard wonderful testimonies like our brother Roland there. You've seen things happening and compared them with scripture and see that the Lord's word is true. He takes care of his own. Why should you be shaken? Why should you be, you know, turned out of the frame because of something that's happened? That's what I'm talking about. Maturity requires some God-given means. Let's just think about them. I've got four things to think about that help you to mature. Think about Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of God. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And it goes on talking about how he's like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit and his season. Beautiful picture of maturity we've got. And what's it say there? He meditates on God's word. He delights in God's word. If you meditate and delight in God's word and then... What was that first verse? It led to a change in the way he lived. He didn't walk in a certain way. He didn't stand with sinners. He didn't sit with the scornful. It made differences in his life. Being in God's word and having it make differences in your life. That's one of the steps. Proverbs 18.1 tells us that through desire, a man having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth, in all wisdom. Basically what that's saying is. A wise man to become wise. He's got to set some priorities. And he's got to dedicate time and effort. In order to obtain wisdom. It doesn't just come. You know. I just can't leave this underneath my pillow at night. And sleep on it. And it just kind of. You know. Absorbs in my body. I've got to take some time. And effort. To make it a part of my life. Proverbs 23, 23. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. You want to buy it and you want to hold on to it. You don't want to let it go. You need to be steadfast. You can't be, as we talked about over there in Ephesians, blown about by every wind of doctrine. You've got to be established and settled and hold on to what you learn. And finally... Lord Jesus Christ told us on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, 24. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot love God and mammon. Okay? You can't love the Lord and this world. You can't want a little bit of the world and a whole lot of the Lord. No, it doesn't work that way. You've got to have single-minded dedication to serving God. Delighting the word of the God and applying it to our thoughts and actions. Dedicating time and effort. Being steadfast and holding what you've got. Having a single mindset that I'm going to serve the Lord. Because, brethren, there's some things at war against us. Brother Charlie and Brother Jim last week pointed out, there's things that we've got to put off. There's some things that want to interfere with our being a mature, wise Christian. I've already talked about this Corinthians. How did Paul have to address them? In 1 Corinthians 3, I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal even as unto babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hereunto you are not able to bear it. Neither yet are ye able. And he goes on to point out that they had envying, strife, divisions among themselves. He says, are you not carnal and walk as men? Carnality, brethren. Carnality is going to hinder our maturity. It's going to keep us back from being what we could be. Brother Charlie used another one of my verses. Over in Psalm 10.4, the wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God's not, God is not in all his thoughts. Pride. What does pride say? Pride says, I've got the answer. Why do I need to go to the Bible? Why do I need to get wise counselors? I know the answer. Well, that is going to hinder you being a wise and mature Grown up believer. Second Peter, in a similar rite, says in verse, chapter three, verse five, talking about the scorners in the last day. For that, for this they willingly are ignorant of, that the word of God by the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, talking about the flood. The world is willingly ignorant of it. The evidence is all around us, but they want to ignore it. Willing ignorance. Stubbornness. Brethren, how many times is the answer right in front of your eyes? Nah. You're just being stubborn. That's going to hinder you being a wise person. That hinders me from being a wise person. When I'm stubborn. When I'm full of pride. When I allow a little bit of the world. A little bit of carnality in my life. It hinders me from being what I ought to be. First Corinthians fifteen thirty three, evil communications. What's it do? Corrupts good manners. And what's the what's one of the signs of this carnal Christian age we live in? Over in Second Timothy three seven, they're ever learning, never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. They're always going through the motions. But they're not able to find the truth because they're allowing just a little, some evil communications out there. Paul talking to the Galatians. Imagine being converted by the Apostle Paul, being taught by him. And then going away from it, going back to the old Jewish fables. Talking to them in Galatians 5, 7 and 9, he says, He did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump. A little bit of error that you allow in will corrupt everything. How is a minister, how does Brother Jonathan maintain his ability to rightly divide the word of God like he does? He studies. Can we do any less if we want to be wise and mature and grown up in the Lord? We need to study as well. And finally, brethren, what is the basis of everything we do? Faith. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Brethren, are we diligently seeking him? Are we full of faith, believing God's got the answers for us to everything in life? And I'm going to go find it. I'm going to find that hid treasure he's got for me. That's faith. Or are we lacking faith? Oh, God really doesn't want to do it. He doesn't really want to give me the answer. Really, is there an answer out there? Oh, that's one of those evil communications, Right. (laughs) Allowing it to dampen my faith. Brethren, to be spiritually mature, it's improved through repeated application of God's word, his scriptures to our life. Reading the book, studying the book, applying it to our life. What did he say there? What was that last part? Strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Even those who by reason of use. Brethren, that's where our, our pastor has been so good to us. How the Lord's been so good to all of us in showing him that. What has he always tried to recommend we do, fathers? Make it real. You read something in the newspaper? Refer back to the book. What's the book say about this? We saw that movie on TV. What was the theme of that movie? What does the book say about it? Diligently applying everything we see in life. When we have a problem, we have an issue come up in our family, how do we deal with it? Go to the book. By going to the book and applying it daily to our lives. Who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Brethren, we all need to ask ourselves a question. How long have I been under the truth? And how mature am I? How much have I grown and prospered and matured in my knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? May he help us all to examine our lives and to redouble our efforts. That we might be a a body that's knit together by which every member is supplying. Back over there in Ephesians. That we would not be like these Hebrews, but that we can find all the deep things of the Lord because we're wise, we're mature, we can understand it.
0: Thank you, Brother Newell. When for the time you ought to be teachers. We have been in this church and this assembly, many of us, for many years. What have we done with that time? What fruit do we have to show for it? When for the time you ought to be teachers, the world says times they are a changing, and they are. They change slow, and that gives us time to get ready for, and to mature, and to exercise ourselves for the next generation, for the next times that are coming up. Uh, Things will not always be exactly like they are. So let's grow. Let's use the the uh, to use the parable. Let's use the dung that's been spread around our fruit tree and produce fruit and grow with it. Thank you, Brother Newell, for bringing that to our attention.